Welcome to the Hospitality Maverick podcast with me, Michael Tinkser. We at Hospitality Mavericks are here to inspire leaders to create heart-centered and profitable businesses from the inside out, the kind that both employees and customers love and support. Thanks to BizSimply for sponsoring this episode as our show partner, and BizSimply is the all-in-one HR workforce management rotate operation software designed and built by hospitality experts to make every shift run like clockwork. And we join forces to help the industry find new ways to become even more innovative in how we lead our people, how we operate, to how we grow our businesses, to how we serve our customers. Together, we want to share strategies and tools that can make the industry thrive long-term, not just survive. This idea of an infinite goal, and you know, it's not necessarily something that we can achieve, but you know, if we can head towards something. So, yeah. so for me, it's, it comes out of harm. So I sat on this and say, right, it's about human and environmental harm. If I get up every morning, what is it that really pushes me on? It's the idea that even if I just take little steps and turn people around me, we edge towards a part. Yeah, when I when I leave this when I leave this world, uh, hopefully I'll have moved a little bit closer to the idea of human environmental harm. And in the context of our business as a food and drink hub, as a food and drink retailer, a food and drink hospitality operator, we're in a good position to help others as well take steps towards that direction. And we worked on the idea of a purpose and say, you know, we know we bring communities together. My parents were there. They didn't realize they built this brand almost. People talk about magnate and want to go there. And, and so we thought, yeah, we, that clear purpose is, is that idea of bringing communities together around incredible food and drink. I'm excited to bring you this week's guest, Stefano Kumo, CEO of Magnate. Magnate has been synonymous known with quality and community since 1847. They operate a food hall in Faversham in Kent here in the UK, where they create amazing experiences by combining retail, foods and events. Stefano shares his journey and how it led him to lead the business as a sixth generation. He shares how they as a family have evolved the business through generations starting with farming and now in high quality retail and experiences offers. We talk about how you reinvent yourself, your brand, and what role the business have today in the local community. We talk about how you maintain and involve culture over generation and how you make the business ready to transition into the future without losing its purpose and impact. Stefano shares some leadership lessons learned as you grow a business in the new era of hospitality. If you liked today's episode, it will mean the world to me and the guests if you can leave a review of the show on either on our website, Apple Podcasts or Spotify. The better the reviews, the better the guests and ultimately the better the learning is for you. If you believe in business as a force for good, this conversation will inspire you. Enjoy. Today we're um, going to have a conversation about, I'm sure we're going to be talking about got good produce, but also we're going to talk about food system. We're going to talk about a, a, maybe a new way, a different approach to things. And, and I actually know this business, uh, quite starting to know it quite well because I've been on a visit. I talked with Stefano from Magnate a couple of times and they're doing some incredible things down, down in Kent here in the UK. So I'm really excited about today's conversation and actually maybe coming 
opening up with the conversation about how can we actually do things a bit different? How can we think differently about food, retail, the food system, the supply chains, and all the things that's connected to building a, a great, great food business. So welcome to the show, Stefano. It's great to have you here. No, it's great to be here. I know it's, yeah, you know how excited I am to be on, uh, on, on your show, Michael, so I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, it's, it's really good to be here. Yeah, and, and we've been trying to to get you on for for a while, and then now now we finally made it. So I'm really excited about you, and I think it'd be really good for people that hasn't heard about Magnate, your journey, uh, and uh, the journey you're on right now, and where you're located, and what kind of size of business are we talking about? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, so yeah, Magnate Magnate is actually a place where we're tucked down here in the in the southeast of the UK, uh, in Kent. Uh, and my family uh, were getting, I suppose, stop with my name, Stefano. It's not particularly English, English name. My father's Italian, uh, and my mother, it's my mother who's Kentish, uh, and on her side of the family, we're farmers. So my father came across uh, when he married her from Italy, southern Italy, uh, in, the, in the 70s. But our, our heritage here at Matinade goes back to mid-1800s, uh, where we farmed you know, a very traditional, conventional Kentish farm. Uh, and really, it was my father who, having come over in yes, I say early seventies, started in seventy nine a, a pick your own on part of the farm that we had, uh, which was of course a trend that had come out of the US at the time. Uh, and really, what we now have is our food hall at Macnade, uh, over a, a seven acres site we now have, is about ten thousand square foot food hall. Really grew out of what was his market garden, sort of twenty acres of weird and wonderful produce that he was growing uh, back in the late seventies. Uh, yeah, the likes of aubergine, courgette, mange too, things that are sort of generic standard fare now, but hadn't been really seen in the UK, uh, yeah, say 30, 40 years ago. So now we, as I say, we have a, the best way of explaining, it, I suppose, is we don't farm, so it's not a farm shop, it is an effective food hall, I mean, it's a premium supermarket offer, dare I say, yeah, we have a delicatessen counter, we have a butchery, green grocery, grocery, uh, we have an F&B cafe, a restaurant attachment, we run events. Uh, we have a number of other tenants on our site, uh, Wasted Kitchen, for example, another small business who, who will take our produce that, that's past its best on the shelf, convert it through to coleslaw, salads, dishes, etc. That in turn, we then retail back again through our, through our own site. We have an outside deck area over the summer that has a number of other F&B offers, uh, sort of tacos, small businesses, pizza, etc., etc., that can come and set up in the summer and, and sell direct to consumers as well on our site. So it's come, we're kind of a food hub, but you have... You know, our, our customers who come, who do their weekly shop with us, through to those who seek us out for very sort of spe special, specific ingredients, uh, and and, and yes, yeah, so all encompassing of the joys of food and drink. And and what was really interesting you talked about there is also like you're not just a food hall. I think it was really interesting. I was down there. There was and you mentioned just here. There's like other independent food operator that comes in to your business and actually trade as well, so like street food. In principle so this is this is why i'm again following a lot of of, of what you do and and others you've spoken to for us you know we're, we're operators you know and as i said i grew up i was when we stopped farming i was in my early 20s hmm. and the reasons for, for stopping farming were just the pressures that the conventional farms had during the 80s and 90s and we decided to focus in on on this this retail offer that we had uh, uh, the reason i mentioned that is you see a lot of farm shops for example that in effect a farmer's looking to sell, but they, they just want to farm, right? So they don't have the nuanced uh, enjoyment and skill set that I think comes from bricks and mortar retail, bricks and mortar hospitality, which I think is hugely important. Uh, and why I say that is because in effect we act as a hub, we draw people in, uh, we understand, we act as kind of, kind of a conduit from producer through to end consumer. 
And so for us as MapMade, it's how we create a space that people want to be in, a community that people want to be part of. And so part of that will be having other providers, having other operators, uh, and supporting them um, to, uh, to, 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 to you know, create their own businesses and move forward with. And that has to be done in a commercial manner. And I think for me, that's important to show that how localized food and drink hubs can exist. They don't need to be fluffy and kind of almost patronized, but they can exist as commercial hubs as well that bring local economics back into the locality and provide a really interesting product. So yeah, we have so we have a number of other other businesses that we work with on the site itself. And of course, as a retail hospitality operation, we have sort of hundreds of suppliers that we front end as well. Yeah, and I thought it was really interesting because you you have a, a cafe offering inside the, the food hall and you could see when when we were there, me and my family were there, or you could hear there was a lot of locals in the weekend or some Sunday. There was lots of local people there, and that was their meeting place. And then some of them did some shopping afterwards, but that's where they connected as well. So like it looked like a community hub where people had that cup of tea or coffee or meal or whatever it is that brings them together. Yeah, and, and this is you know so we're a generational business. So when I, I you know it's not a startup. I came into the business as a family business. So for me, it's very important to understand. Yeah, how do I drive the business on? How do I how do I really build on what my parents have previously done? And they sort of unwittingly, I suppose, they created this community through what was an incredible land-based business. And so for me, that's a really important part of what we do, uh, is we do act as a space that people can come into and connect. I mean, uh, we're very much a purpose-driven business, and that, that purpose is, is bringing the community together around incredible food and drink. And you know, I remember, you know, when I'm 44, so a kid of the 80s, I remember when supermarkets really kicked on and, you know, there was that kind of shift from people meeting, I suppose, traditionally might have met at church, right? Uh, for those kind of casual conversations that people would have met, you know, would have discussed in the community. You know, there's kind of five, 10 minute conversations with your neighbours, you don't want to get to, but you, it's good to see them. Yeah, that kind of started to shift to the supermarket and the idea that the supermarket, you push your trolley and you catch five minutes with someone to, uh, and keep up with how their family's doing. And and for me, that's the sort of opportunity that was there and that we've kind of built upon because it's so much more meaningful, I think, than, than you get from visiting your local Tesco's, for example. And, and we're not only able to add you know, real value to incredible products by getting people to buy them, we're then able to add value to our community directly by being in a space that, that's, that has an important part to the community. Yeah, and from my background as a, a farming family, yeah, we, far, we, we farmed over a matinee a lot longer in Kent than matinee over six generations. And, Part of that was very much people-based, you know, because 50, 60 years ago, a farm depended on people to come in and, and, and collect crop and help the harvest, etc. You had a lot of people who were, were, were connected to the land. As, as farming has changed and the lands have shifted and, and the way agriculture occurs with much fewer number of people involved these days, an element of that was lost. So our business has returned back to that point of having a real sense of community to it and bringing people back to it, whether it's a team working within it, whether it's a local people coming and using the cafe or the shop. But in turn, what I think is also exciting is that we place make. And when I say we, I talk about our sector more broadly, you know, our peers elsewhere in the in the country. You know, we know that Londoners, as an example, coming down into Kent, particularly post-COVID, with sort of an expectation of what the sort of food and drink offering is in London, find the likes of our food halls and, and others around. Uh, and, and that really brings an offering to, 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 to the town and where they then want to move and live. So again, and I think what that also does, it provides a safe space where sometimes outsiders coming in can create a bit of attention with the locals who already live there. But actually, that kind of space that's a safe space, it's around food and drink, everyone buys into its identity is really important. 
And that for me is what Matinee does. It, it creates that real sense of place uh, that, that the community can come to and has a, has a commercial value as well. And I, it's always been an important part for me is to show that this isn't just done because we love doing it, but you know, it doesn't, real, doesn't really have any longevity or sustainability in itself as a model. But this, ha- this is a sustainable model, right? It drives a profit, right? And that profit comes because people trust what we do. They, they, they appreciate the price points we put our products at. We work closely with our producers. And so when we talk about, you know, what do models of the future look like, you think at the moment the independent sector is very disparate, it's very chopped up. And, but actually we know that individually and sort of two, three, four sites, they can work, right? So it is, there's a system there, I think, that, that, that has real value in regards to getting the community into a space they love, engaging with produce that is relevant and, uh, and supportive of a, of a much better natural environment. And if, if you should explain a bit about, you know, what is your, you know, your, your purpose, your mission, your vision, the, the direction the business is going now, it looks like you've done that transformation from leaving farming, going into retail, and in principle now you're a food hub, as you say, it's more like an experiment experimental hospitality retail kind of environment i would say what, what what is it what is it what is the purpose you keep on holding on to and how do you bring that into the future then yeah so i, I feel you know i think a particular factors came together from my own point of view when i continue to look at forward strategies and and, and what i've done and what we've done collectively as a business and as a family and, and sort of very aware of i had a particular set of you know, realities that came together to to put me where I was. I said it was a generational business, so it's not a startup. Um, I've always rallied against that kind of idea of entrepreneurship. I've, I find it almost it's too singular. It's sort of it, it's puts too much emphasis on an individual, for example. And for me, it is about the collective. And I suppose I grew up on a family farm. Uh, I had that 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 safety net that a good family provides. You know, a lot of family around me is the way with family farm, uh, family uh, farming businesses. And and the warmth of of of, of a well functioning functioning family, I think, is hugely important. And that's kind of really shaped. I've worked with my parents. I've spent a lot of time with them. So for me, that's always been a core part. My my parents always supported that sense of aspiration. That it's not that this is what you must do. It's you know, understand what you want to do, and work towards that, and we'll support you to do that. And and I always felt that very much. So for me, the business should reflect that. It should support people's aspirations. It's uh, it's not a case of saying this is just what we would do because I think. Yeah, people have different aspirations. It may be that people just want a safe place to come into work. You know, they want to be able to come yeah. in, they see people they know, uh, feel that they're valued, and go home. Uh, and there are others who, who 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 want to progress and have a career and move on. And there are others that it's about the food and drink itself. They might want to go sidewards into another industry. So for me, that that a place like ours is about creating the opportunity for those aspirations to be delivered on. Um, so that was absolutely part of it. And uh, then we always talk, you know, again, being connected with the land, we're very aware of, of the natural environment, at the same time, the business commercial importance. So it's a case of trying to marry that up. Yeah, and I, I, I fell into anthropology, actually, in the university. Yeah, terrible. Yeah, I was, a bad, I was bad. At, yeah, I didn't study hard enough. But actually, fortunately, I then ended up, and it, it really sung to, to my own personal interests. But you know, I really value humanity. I, mean, I thought what, what we achieve as humans is incredible. And I say this in very difficult times at the moment, as we know in the, in, in the global in the global context. 
But when you look at the best of what we do, it's, it is something incredible. So it's, for me, it was, I then try to get, well, how does that fit you know, environment, humanity, so, hey, it's all these grandiose statements, what, what is it? And it, it starts to listen to, I don't think this is the value of podcasts, of reading, et cetera, is understanding what others are doing, this idea of infinite goal. And, you know, it's not necessarily something that we can achieve, but, you know, if we can head towards something. So, yeah. so for me, it's, it comes out of harmony. So I sat on this and say, right, it's about human and environmental harmony. If I get up every morning, what is it that really pushes me on? It's the idea that even if I just take little steps and turn people around me, we edge towards a point. Yeah, when I when I leave this when I leave this world, uh, hopefully I'll have moved a little bit closer to the idea of human and environmental harmony. And in the context of our business as a food and drink hub, as a food and drink retailer, a food and drink hospitality operator, we're in a good position to help others as well take steps towards that direction. And we worked on the idea of a purpose and say, you know, we know we bring communities together. My parents always did. They didn't realize they built this brand almost. Magnate. Mm. People talk about Magnate and want to go there. And, and so we thought, yeah, we've got clear purpose is, is that idea of bringing communities together around incredible food and drink. Mm. And then again, as we're through that process, that mission of what we talk about favorite place, you know, ultimately we want Magnate to be people's favorite place. And that comes from what our customers tell us. So it's very much based on this idea of, of looking to try and lower negative impacts on our natural world through food and drink and our consumption whilst championing what the best of humanity is in the sense of people coming together in and around food and drink so i suppose that in a nutshell, that's what we kind of try and work towards and is there any ambition of expanding the business because i also know that you know you 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 said that you know one of the i know we have a shared passion around or maybe a love affair with it. the Singermans in the US where actually yeah. the reason why Ari and Paul expanded the business was because they had people that had ambitions in the business. It was not because they wanted a bigger business and now they have 16 different food businesses. It's not 18 actually, I think now, and 700 employees and they have partners in the business. That one town, you know, in Ann Arbor, outside Michigan in the US, which is a, it's a reasonable small town. Uh, I don't know if it's size of Brighton, maybe a bit bigger where I'm from, but it's quite incredible again, where, because if they wanted to keep these people and they wanted to, you know, slowly move the mission over, and now it's 40 years and now they are thinking about how do we actually hand over the business to the community and, and the employees that that's where they are now, but is there a similar kind of approach that you are taking and in into the future Do you want to expand the business in, in the speed it can take? The expansion and the, the opportunities of course that, that comes around i absolutely and, and no i'm yeah glad you, you brought up zingerman's already for me for me again we as you said we talked about it a lot just just the, the impact that, that zingerman's i've never been there i've never you know but, but quite often when i'm looking at trying to contextualize my own thinking our own thinking is the business is looking out to our peers and zingerman's are someone that's, you know, they're a group a collective who come up all the time yeah just for example that, that con yeah for me one of the you're just one of the light bulb moments from them is that the, the concept of thriving versus growth. Uh, yeah. and not to say there's a tension there, but understanding that, you know, that, that that sort of capitalist, pure capitalist growth of driving cash value back to the shareholder is one direction. But actually, does that produce a thriving business? I just love that idea that as we move forward, it's about is everyone thriving? And, and that's something I really take from them. Again, something we do a lot at the moment and I'm trying to trying to work on more and more myself is is that visioning piece um, and the number of others that have picked up yeah well what does yeah, what does it look like in the future i think coming from generational businesses and and just where again my, my mind thinks i like that well what would we look like in five years ten years time and, and then working back so that we can 
we can engineer a way of getting there. And so, absolutely, for me, it's it is a case of you know, don't get me wrong. I mean, there is a, a there is a commercial excitement to growing a business, right? I mean, it's it's not just a, a you know, it's all about good. There, there's fun, but, but that's not that's not enough. I mean, that for me, that isn't the case. It's can we touch more people in what we do? Um, in a way that is sustainable and it comes back to that infinite goal of actually getting closer to an environmental and human harmony. Uh, and and so for, and that for me becomes back to the value of other bricks and mortar spaces. And I think on that as well, when you go back 10, 15 years ago when the internet started to bite and there was kind of a question around, everything's going to go online, everything's going to digital, isn't it? It's a new world. Well, what's, what, what does that mean for a retailer? What does that mean for a hospitality operator who has space? For me, we've really seen, particularly the last two years with, with COVID and other elements, the importance of the value of the operator in, in physical space. And, and, and so, yes, we start to look at other spaces continuing. We, I did, I, you know, I've had other, we had two other sites last year. Unfortunately, with, with sort of the trials of, of COVID, uh, there were separate business. I had to take a step back out from, from one of the sites. And that's part of you know, the pains and, and learnings of, of business, I guess. But it was based on that element of wanting to get Macnade into other, 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 other places, other towns, whereby I mean, in our locality, other region of Kent, be very different from the US, I guess, but where we could touch more people and show that there was a commercial uh, a value to it, front up more localized businesses. So we again we added that shop face for for other other producers, and also be part of that placemaking whereby. You're seeing in Kedja, you know, there's, there's a desire to regenerate a lot of towns post Second World War in the 60s and 70s. And I think what we do, one is a food and drink hub, but the way that we deliver that matinee experience is an important part to bringing uh, a sort of texture and, 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 and heartfelt you know, interaction into, into the urban space as well. So for, for me, it is absolutely that there is there's an interest there. I think we have a brand and a product that is, is fantastic, but I think we also have a purpose and responsibility to take what we do uh, in, into into other places, which goes back to what you said earlier, and I think also the Zingerman's point isn't necessarily that it's just a, a cookie cutter, repeatable, mm. you, know, you know, one, two, three, ten macnades, fourteen. It's a yeah. case of what's suitable in what space, and is that a separate business? Is it a partnership? Is it a you know, do we have some holding in that, or is it someone who's come from our business and what's their own? Yes, and I think that for me is that that thrive element of Zingerman's to say rather than you. Know, Rather going at pace, are we going at the right pace to deliver the the growth, the, the good growth that allows everyone to thrive? And, and, and that's not necessarily more of Macanade explicitly. It may well be other, you know, whether it's different producers, maybe different brands, whatever it might be. But I think that for me is, a, is really an exciting proposition. That kind of partnership approach to growth that means that, 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 that everyone thrives. Yeah, and then the whole growth question, I think we, we had some reflection on it during the pandemic in food industries and hospitality, but I think we're a bit back in the the same kind of lingo and approach. And it's not about thriving. It's not making things work really well for everyone. And I think there's still some really big, big questions to be asked because the system is breaking down and it's just a question about time. And that's not being a hippie about it. But I can definitely see the ones that's thriving understand they're not scaling numbers, they're scaling their story and the philosophy as you're talking about if that's the food philosophy or the community philosophy that's what it's about and that's what people are hungering for no matter what They're, that's being part of something that's bigger than just a product or another coffee shop yeah i think absolutely right and 
So I've got two, two sort of thoughts on that as well. I think one is, you know, we have a bit of heritage that we put put into our uh, into our business. We talk about quality and community since 1847. Yeah, that's great. Don't get me wrong. Everyone has a bit of heritage. But I, I think for me, what's more important about that isn't the case of, oh, look how old our business is. And it's more about the idea that, you know, I, I know I, for me, I'm very aware of where we were two generations ago. Uh, and so for me, it's about being aware of where we'll be in two generations time and onwards. And recognise that that isn't just a it's, that's not just a land grab that's not just a rush for growth to show value in a cash format that is about you know the ups and downs of life and society and community mm. and that you only get that sort of continuity through a lot of other people all we do is that we're just a flag bearer for a whole community of, of people whether we're the team members or whether they're, they're our customers or suppliers uh, and I think that's what is that's where there is more understanding now more value I mean even to the point. Yeah, we've always looked to, to Germany around these sort of middle-sized family businesses. And I remember 2016, I think it was, I remember reading an article about how the UK was a startup capital of Europe. Uh, and this great chunk to this great idea. And I went along to, I was on different schemes about raising capital. And, you know, we're a bricks and mortar business, right? So you go along to these these meetings, these events for, for small businesses. And there'd be, there would be, yeah, there would be pre-business, uh, and, yeah, there'd be pre-startup stage. You know, guys have got ideas. And they'd have angels at the front of the room. They go, oh, it's amazing. We love this. And then I would step up and go, well, I've kind of got like a food shop. And you know, we already have X number of customers of revenue. And, and you can see these guys look at us going, oh, sorry, man. I don't, it sounds lovely. I don't know what to do with you, right? Going, well, we're going to be here in 20 years, 40 years, two generations time. And these guys are looking for five-year valuations and exits. And, and whereas it starts to be more understanding that our sort of businesses that are looking at bringing value and continuity of being security have have are essential parts of our structure not just and don't get me wrong those five-year exits are, are important as well those, those valuations are part of the economic uh, landscape but i think there is much more appreciation of what we bring but also that there is economic value there as well i mean if the other thing that i think to look at is just to give an example of that is you know i remember again going back to the early 2000s the early 2010s rather you know, you're looking at there was just land value i mean you wanted to go and find space the rentals that were being asked for were ridiculous you know it's just about what return per square foot is there Whereas now there's much more understanding that if you get the right sort of business into the right sort of space, the commercial value for all of that area, whether it's in you know, offices or housing, whatever else it might be, it's not just how much can I get for that unit, it's actually the right tenants within the right units bring a whole load of commercial value more broadly. Now, so I think that for me is important. You can talk, yeah, let's talk about the fluffy stuff and the lovely texture stuff that builds community because that's really important. But you know what? That also adds commercial value back into other parts of the infrastructure. And if that's looked at as a whole, you start to be able to look at it in both the sense of where there is community value that's hugely important to everyone, but also where there's commercial value that sits alongside that. So it has a pragmatic uh, a model to it. And I think that has often been overlooked. And, you know, that, that's what we start. That's where I think a lot of that opportunity is, is that that's one, you know, you hear people talk about post-capitalist approaches. You know, it's not just, I think it's right. It's not just about yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the responsibility of the directors is to deliver the best uh, returns to the shareholder. And they, yeah, so, well, yeah. The stakeholders, isn't it? We're moving towards the stakeholders. The stakeholders are there. I can tell you, as a, as a generational business, they'll, they'll, they'll be there in generations' time, right? So that value is spread out over time, and and you get that back in, and this, yeah, that that value then then leaches into other businesses that in turn have uh, have value. And so I think it's yeah, you know, we're starting to see much much more appreciation of that. Uh, yeah, we touched on it earlier on about you know some of the catering infrastructures that there's a lot of uh, conversation around what they want to do, but they've still yet to, they've yet to get to be able to convert that into their traditional conventional supply chains that that are more driven towards a, a bottom line at short term than the long term. 
But I, I said, and I think one of the things possibly helping that as well, and Zingerman's another great example of that, is just you're seeing a generational a generational shift as well. So I mean, I'm what I'm early mid forties, forty four. Yeah, I'm still going to be working for another twenty years, right? So you look at the Zingerman guys. What are they? They're in the sixties now. I don't know. Late fifties. Yeah, they're in the sixties. Yeah. All that knowledge and information is coming back down into my generation. Yeah. So I've got twenty years of training behind me. So I kind of know what I do. I've got another twenty years ahead of me. And so you start to see this, you know, this this transfer of knowledge and commercial experience in our sector really becoming much more mature than it was 10, 15 years ago. And I think that for me is exciting because it isn't just about you know these kind of uh, these these outliers you know fighting against the yeah 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 fighting against the the, 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 the direction of travel that, that everyone else is heading in. We started to get some critical mass, I think, in in, in mature businesses that that have who, who want to grow, have the right sort of baseline and structure to support that growth, but they want to grow the right way that, as you said, adds value over and above simple cash returns. It's very interesting. You talked about before thriving versus growth, and then you talked, you touched on capitalism as well, because capitalism in my view is not a bad thing. It's a tool no. and it's how you use that tool that's important. And we just used it in a very one dimensional way for, for a long time. And then you talked about, it was about the stakeholders and, and I, I was in a, a thing yesterday. It was a book launch and it was a book about time. It's Jacob Dale uh, and he's been on the podcast talking about time. And, and he talks about exactly we need to start thinking more about the impact we make, not about what we get in the short time, but actually the impact we can make. And that's both, you know, profitability, of course, and it's healing both people, communities and the planet. So when we do something, we really need to ask ourselves, like, you know, what is this going to mean in X generation? Is it three generation, five generation? X decades, you need to ask you those questions as, as you run business. And I think you were talking about corporates that now as well. We had this talk before we went online as well. They now start they're asking all the right questions, but don't know really where they have to start because it's such a belief system that needs to be changed, the way of doing things. So first the belief system, then the infrastructure, then the systems and processes and all the people's belief systems. And it's such a huge turn. And that's actually where smaller businesses really can play a part. Because if you can come in with the thinking over the next couple of decades, you can really change things. Definitely, we just talked the food system, I believe, to positive things. Because I think there's a lot of willingness right now. But you need inspiration of how to do it. And you need to go and find that in maybe small local businesses where there's not those constraints you see in corporates or belief systems, if we come back to them. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose one of the things, yeah, you know, something we looked at and, and, and we're working, how do we, you know, how do we get, uh, I think of some examples. So I used to, yeah, the, the, one of the joys of family businesses I found is that it's, it's one of the few structures that has meant that businesses of all different sort of sizes are comfortable in the same room. Uh, because ultimately, the issues around family are exactly the same, right? Yeah. So, and it's not business, right? So, whereas if you're a half billion pound business talking to, I don't know, a hundred thousand pound business, sometimes the the two owners they just don't they don't want to connect. They, they're not in the same space. Whereas you know that hundred thousand pound business talking about what are they going to do about succession with their kids, with the half billion pound businesses talking about what are they going to do about succession with their kids. It's the same thing, right? And I suppose that for me is one of the elements of how do you get big businesses into the same room as small businesses and find the topics that in effect link the two of them uh, and so that they learn from each other. And I think there's a huge mentoring piece between businesses whereby 
small businesses can gain huge value from larger businesses uh, and looking at what can be applied to their business and vice versa. And often I think there's fear in small businesses that they'll be patronized, they're not going to be taken seriously, they don't have a place at the table when big business is involved. And sometimes that converts to attention, almost a negative approach. Uh, and in turn, large businesses just don't have the vocabulary, they just don't have the language to be able to engage effectively in SME. But if we can start to you know, not that create more forums where there is more exchange of of conversation and uh, yeah, not silly stuff like that. I don't know, yeah, whatever is whatever is locally important, but actually about structures that can support better supply chains, better consumption, etc. And all. yeah, I think that's really dynamic. Like, you, you know, and I, and I guess that's where businesses like ours come in, where we're uh, yeah, we're kind of uh, see ourselves as the most. Yeah, we, we're kind of the, the big fish in the little pond, the little pond at the bottom. Like for us, we've got to jump into the next pond and be the small fish in that that that, that medium-sized pond. But we can take everything we've we've learned in, the, in 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 that smaller pond and start to to distribute it out into a lot. Yeah, so I think that that for me is a core part as we look forward. I mean, it's yeah, it's, it's difficult to, to to change how we've consumed for so long overnight. But I think you know, it is it's looking at structures and channels and forums that the right conversations that in turn turn into action can take place and that they do. And I think yeah, then it comes down to the government etc. to support those to. to you know, critical mass of, of, of again business owners and believers who believe it's the right thing to do uh, and so drive it forward as well but i think there's a lot of yeah there's, there's a lot of opportunity there i love to work with the team over at this simply because they are always striving to get better one percent better every day so i had to share this with you because we simply have launched a new broadcast which highlights some of their favorite Hospitality Maverick podcast episodes over time. And if you're a new or hardcore super fan of the show, this is a perfect opportunity to catch up with some of the standout episodes from our massive back catalog. The Simply team has and will be extensively transcribing interesting moments from each episode while providing some new insights on our brilliant guests, the Mavericks. There's already some great write-ups with Mavericks like Chef Chantel Nicholson and the co-founder of Singerman's Community of Businesses, Ari Weinswein. Find them at bizsimply.com blog and click Blogcast on the right side menu. Enjoy. We, we we dive a bit back into to your business and then uh, it would be great to hear what it's like, you know, because your approach to to people culture how do you do that because i often think that's one of the key ingredients why some businesses things differently and actually you are acting differently in the way they do because it starts with the people and you talked about the people it was important for your family business through generation either it was people on the land and now it's people coming into the the food hub what is the approach in a, a, a philosophy around people yeah so again i i, I guess you know, I, I consider the i guess i consider the quirk of, of just my own position that i get i came into a a, a family business a small family business that had been large as a farm and a trunk and 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 so where do i value into it my father uh yeah coming from an agricultural background on my mother's side you can imagine it's a fairly patriarchal structure yeah the oldest son takes on the farm and it gives it on to the next son. And, and so that had been the case for what, three, four generations. My grandfather, my great-grandfather, yeah. uh, and my mother, funnily enough, was the oldest of, of this generation. But my father married into to the, to the family here. And, and so he didn't really have that baggage. 
uh, and he set up with my mother, obviously the the the, 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 small, the pick your own and the small farm shop and what have you. What he was a classic hero leader, right? It was he would get stuck in everything would be solved, right? He would do it all. Uh, and so when I started to get more involved in the business, that has real strengths to it because people were inspired by it. You know, they, they feel safe by it, but it has real negatives as, as we know because they invariably want to do everything themselves and they don't create that that, that, that that ability for others to take on responsibility in the same way. So for me, it was really a case of, well, you know, we've got the business got to where we can get to under that sort of approach. We need to be more open. It needs to be more, you know, it needs much flatter. It needs to be more engaged. It needs to allow others to come in and take responsibility. And not only that, you know, you can't be the best at everything, right? You've got to know what your strengths are and then find others who are, who are better you in, in other areas. And it goes back again to that point that I felt that having grown up in, in, a, in, a, in a farm environment that was quite a high employer, and having seen that dwindle as, as it went into machinery and smaller numbers, you know, I felt that our business as a service-facing business, as a service business, a front-facing business, a, a community-based business, had the opportunity to, to deliver jobs. And often they are entry-level jobs, but it depends on people. So for me, that was very much, you know, I've got, to, I've got to offer something different from that which my parents did. So it is about opening the business up and taking what they've done and pushing it forward and, and allowing others to come in. And just the reality is that is that, you know, if, if there is aspiration of, of, of growing a business, allowing it to thrive, then that's only going to occur through a supportive team, a, a, a team that works together, that then has a buy-in of its, its community, as opposed to just an individual who is driven and can, and, and can work effectively. That has a finite end. Yeah? So that's always been that case. Again, I also lean back into that concept of family and how family works, how, how good families work. When families are at their best, I think they're the best unit there is. And I talk about family, not in the sense of just the, the actual family, but how, you know, there's a level of the respect, the candor, we win our own values, the, the love, the contentment that comes from a good family unit is absolutely, for me, how a, a good business should work. Uh, so that's always been very much a, the, the, the approach. And uh, I suppose because the business was there, I always look to others as well. I, sometimes I think I do get in the way too much. I, I try and step back from that, but I've, I've looked to, 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 to open MacNade up as a platform to others so they could see that it would deliver on their aspirations and that they would be able to come into it and find what they wanted in the turn, push it through. And just more recently, actually, I was just, just thinking about this as well. I and mean, I think it's quite funny actually listening to a podcast with the rest of the chat. Um, I think it's been on you, but on some other podcast guy, this naked popping up, uh, Cameron Herald, is it? I think? Uh, talking much, very much about the second in command role, right? And that idea yeah. of how much focus gets placed on on the leadership and the owner. And actually it's not, it's the others in the business who really keep the business operating and moving forward. Um, and I think that for me has, has been an important part of it, is moving from that hero leadership approach of small businesses where it's very much dependent upon one or two people to, to a, a, a collaborative approach where, um, where wherever you know, you, we're able to recognize people's strengths and, 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 and how those strengths can, can push the business on. Again, you, you mentioned Zingerman's earlier on, you know, that, that idea of, yeah, if someone in the, within Zingerman's has a passion and a skill set, well, let's set up another unit over there that allows them to, to fill up the potential. I just see yeah, it's an incredible, I think it's an incredible approach. Yeah, and it is, it is a movie. There's almost, you know, there's almost a whole episode of analyzing the uh, the Zingerman's, but that, that's not for today. So what, if you should take like an issue you would like to see from, from the industry, now you're in the interface of both retail, hospitality, uh, experiences economy as well i would say and your landlord on top of that what what's what like what is an issue you would like to see go away right now if you can take the the magic want kind of approach 
Uh, yeah, all, all sorts of aspects. I thought about the two two aspects I would probably look at. Now, one would be there, there's I think there's still there are still too many silos. Uh, so it is that idea that at the moment channels tend to work in their own channel. There needs to be that. You know, again, we touched on it already. Whether it's small business working with large business, whether it is different parts of the supply chain working more collaboratively together. You, you know, we again talk about it continually as a retail operator. I think we sit right back in the middle of the supply chain. And we're just a conduit that really pushes it through. Now, historically, it's been very transactional, even at the small end. You know, I produce something, I give it to you, I sell it to you, you give me the money, and give me a call when you want it again. Whereas, you know, we really push you to go, you know, actually, our customers at our consumer end, are, are your producer, as a producer, they're your customers, absolutely your customers, we're just this one continuous. So for me, it's a, and then, then that silentness of different sectors and skill sets are not talking to each other. Yeah, even that split, you know, where, as you said, yeah, we have a foot in retail, we have a foot in hospitality, we have a foot in tourism, we have a foot in uh, uh, land management. And actually, we see the fact that all of these business, the, all these sectors should be working together far more effectively and they don't. So mm. it is this siloing that as I think we just as, as communities, we, we tend, to, tend, to, tend to focus too much on the one element and they should be, be far more mixed. And, and that's something I'd like to see. The, the innovation across, you know, across different, different sectors and different processes. And the other then I think is we, we touched on before was financing. And funding, uh, and understand that the idea of patient patient finance. But yeah, who, who, how are we going to fund? You know, these this, this sort of next generation of, of, of retailers and operators uh, in a way that you know the previous models of funding. Yeah, we can see they they put a lot of pressure onto really good businesses or got them to a certain point or, or the very innovators and the very innovation that helped those businesses grow in the first place. Ultimately, was lost because the finances became the commercials became the dominant objective, and so I think for me, part of that is understanding funding and, and, and financing uh, more effectively, uh, and and what needs to be done to, to really maximise this community value that businesses like Macnade um, provide. I say, well, you know, probably owned. You know, we don't. You know, it's, 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 it's it's the growth that we can get, how we can move forward. Um, reckon. So I think that that for me is that that that. Breaking down the barriers between sectors, the, the moving away from the idea of siloing, looking at things much more collaboratively as a whole, and then also understanding fine, this is the funding and financing uh, um, landscape that supports this next generation of businesses to, to scale up and, and, and take on the responsibilities that, that they want to take on. Yeah, no, I think it comes back to the the, the 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 old paradigm of business thinking as well. We forget we uh, we are part of a system, so we need more system thinking. I saw somebody doing a talk about a month ago about this and she was actually an investor and she was actually frustrated about the funding models and actually how they didn't take the system thinking around what impact it has on communities of global or global context of donut economics in principle and actually how we are still making decisions that's very siloed when we talk about funding and who gets the funding and the terms of that funding and, you know, and especially as technology is advancing, you know, you know, maybe humans are not being needed in, in the same capacity anymore. So how do we actually make sure that everybody has a living and, and so on? So, so to, um, for, for me, one of the exciting aspects is this, is that, you know, in the hospitality service sector, you can see, you can, we, you can see a direction going whereby, of course, that human touch is going to be valued, right? And actually it's our accounts, our, uh, our, our, our solicitors, et cetera, that kind of 70k plus jobs that uh, are going to go with um, where of course what we've seen is entry level and that human value really really is is needed and that's certainly for us as part of we look at ai digital etc and we bed this into our systems and improve our productivity so we can then front load our, our investment that goes into the team at the front who are engaging with with, with our customers 
Um, I think going back to funding as well for me, yeah, look, I'd love to see a sort of a portfolio approach from funding, for example, at times whereby you might include within a portfolio high growth businesses that do want to roll out and grow in that. But you might include funding for single site businesses, you know, kind of we see in the high street, this question around the high street all the time, I mean, businesses that come along that, that, that don't want more than one site. They want, to, they, want to, they want to do what they do for 20, 25 years and then they'll be of a certain age, they want to shut it up and they want to go to retirement and the business will end and move on. Whereas we've kind of come addicted to the idea that the only way you get funding is if you've got some some growth strategy that's going to show great returns. Now, if the, but those businesses that have no, whose aspiration is is to feed their own direct community and no more than that, but will require funding at given times along their life cycle, if they could be matched into a portfolio of other more racier investments perhaps, then I think that this starts to become really interesting, but it still, it still seems to be this drive from a funding point of view, where the growth, growth, where's that going to be? Where are we going to get the financial returns? And it misses actually when you look at the community basis, that there are so many very, very good businesses that will require different types of funding. Yeah, bank debt funding is great and what have you, but could offer you know, alternative opportunities for patient capital, etc. to go into them, but that they provide such a, a, a valuable resource for, for the communities. I think that, that for me is, is, is something I'd like to see change, is the fact that when funding is being looked at, otherwise it's just kind of, yeah, it's just kind of debt finance or uh, yeah, banking, etc. Whereas you're taking more seriously businesses that got 20, 30 years in them, but will ultimately just pull the rollers down. And, and then actually, that's a wonderful thing. And it's, it's like sitting in, in high streets at times as well, but oh, that, business, that business closed, like, what a poor bit, what happened? We just got it wrong. No, they just, yeah, they were ready to retire. Yeah, there, there, was, there, there was no succession there. They had a fantastic, and it's, it's almost championing those businesses as well, as opposed to seeing them as a negative, right? And I think it's just, sometimes it's that idea and we sort of get into the place that everything's got to scale and grow and be sold on and continue, otherwise it's a failure. Whereas I think, yeah, there's, there's a certain joy in, in a business that's gone 20, 30 plus years and has, has achieved what it wanted to achieve, uh, provided a good life for its owners, uh, and, and they're on to the next stage in their life. And I think if, and, and if there was the right sort of funding for those sort of businesses within a portfolio of those businesses that are required to grow and scale and, and generate economic value at a higher level, uh, you would find far more people getting into that SME space as well. I think it's, again, it comes back to that silo. Look, can we, can we have more of a mixed approach to, to innovative thinking as well as to funding, as to balance portfolios? And I think, um, yeah, for me, that, 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 that's, that's a real opportunity there. Yeah, and I think it comes back to again uh, the, the the question of time and actually, you know, giving you know businesses time like Singerman didn't happen overnight. There would be other businesses like Singerman's. You would have uh, Southwest Airlines, even though it's on the stock exchange now. There was also like a very small business on part, but they also they decided we're not going to get bigger than this, and then they created this working environment which is about thriving in principle, and it's about employees don't need to go and look at a, another job. There's a something called uh, SRC Holdings in the middle of, uh, I think it's Springfield, Missouri, where they, in principle, do spare parts to tractors. And that business is about people being able to buy their own home. That's like the deep purpose of it. And that's been on for 40 years now, and they're still going with the same chairman. He's the, the, the Jack Stack, who was the CEO and now chairman. He's and found a new CEO. But in principle, it's about actually feed the community and the people who works in the community and these kind of businesses there's lots of them around they maybe just need a helping hand to be brought into the new century or a new decade or they need some learning from these type of businesses what they've done actually to to get to that part 
And I think that's what, again, it's what, what you do again in, 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 in that, that sharing of learning, I think is hugely important. I found this up. This has this been one of the great joys of the sort of explosion of podcasts. But I think because you're absolutely right. So I look at our own business I'm, and if I'm open about it, yeah, we're, we're a good size now as a small business, right? But to, to get to that next stage, we've got to, you know, to where we can afford really to manage a essential admin team that's broad enough to really manage those strategical thinking, long-term strategical thinkings about how do we make sure we create enough uh, interest within our business that's big enough that people can flow through it and they don't need to, to move out, et cetera. And I think there is that kind of that sweet spot, that kind of sub 10 million turnover sort of, yeah, sort of seven to 10 million where, where your revenue's been generated, profitability is there, but actually you, there are two, three roles that are still required to get you onto that next level that allows you to have that kind of central admin team that can, and I think it's getting businesses through that so they get some critical mass that allows them for that that, that managed growth, that patient growth uh, is 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 a key key element. And I think seeing what others do, what ha- what others have done, and how they've worked through that that growth point for me is is is, is really important. And and, I, and, and okay, <laughs> that's the joy of the podcast, right? And back in the day, I'd go out and find uh, not exactly what have you looking around and trying to find this information where you could, but it has become much easier. Um, but but I think that for me is a barrier, is an element. How do you get really good? large, small businesses into being that next stage of growing medium-sized businesses and little medium-sized that have the scope to go on from 10 million, 15, 20, and onwards from there. And I, I, mean, I use a revenue figure simply as a, as a sort of a metric of size and impact from that point of view. It's much more sophisticated than that, don't get me wrong. But a lot of that is, yeah, the cost of an admin team, for example, you've got to, you've got to, you've got to know that revenue's coming through to then drop down the profitability to be able to, to, to be able to increase the size of that central team that allows for some of this more community-focused uh, activity to occur that is commercial as well yeah it comes back to it has to work commercially for being able to to make impact uh, as we talk a lot about here on the show so so what has been the significant learnings you've done the last couple of years especially in a post-pandemic world like is there any like thing that's just like okay that's that's very different that's definitely something i take on as the the leader of a business you, do you know what it's not it's not so much about sort of, come across differences and I suppose partly because of the size of business we are and, and as I said how we're, we're looking to step up into into that next into that next bracket but uh, you know post, post it's, 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 it's speed and agility uh, and focus on our products and I think I mean they certainly just sound, doesn't sound particularly exciting and I know it gets covered all the time but it has really come home to me and I, I suppose we have had I've had had one business that failed in that time uh, we've had you know we've had success as well in our, in our main business and Matt made here Particularly during you know in, in lockdown, we were we were we were still trading. There were a whole lot of other pressures, but it created a false, uh, really created a bit of a false environment. And so that that idea of really being again comes back to the importance of a purpose-driven business and so knowing who we are and what we are and what we're looking to achieve from an ethos point of view, and focusing in on our our core product that allows us to achieve that, uh, and then having a speed of decision to support those aspects. That, that for me has really been the main learning over, over the past the past couple of years. I think yes, there's all sorts of change, but if you have a clear purpose, a clear vision, you have a clear product that you know delivers, and and you have then the agility and the speed to adapt that product as it might need to, but at its core, it's the right product. Yeah, you know, that that's the core part of of, of moving forward. Uh, you know, and again, COVID is a great example. I mean, for us, delivery. You know, in our sector as SMEs, you know, when the when the supermarkets March 2020. It couldn't couldn't provide any sort of slots for deliveries. Yeah, a whole lot of new customers flooded into the independent sector. Your phone calls, can you deliver to us? 
And of course, a lot of independence jumped on that, but the costs implications were huge, right? Just weren't sustainable. So it is that sort of element of going, okay, just remember that actually what we do well is deliver experience-based bricks and mortar emotive retail. And yes, delivery is an option there, but it needs to be looked at in the context of, are we bringing our communities together around incredible food and drink? Yeah, and that includes not stressing our teams out, uh, giving them a decent time as well. Uh, and 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 are we are we focusing on our core business? And and then you then look at the, the something like the option for delivery in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a more focused approach and go, yeah, it's a great option, but it's not our core business. Our core business is bringing people into incredible spaces and interaction our revenue through that. And then to come back to it, I was thinking as you were saying, I was thinking about uh, one of my favorite books, or probably my my Bible, is Good to Great by Jim Collins, where he talks about the headshot concept. And it's actually really about uniting what is it that you're really good as a business. So what are you passionate about? What can you actually deliver on very excellent? And how are you making money out of that? And then just continue refining that. That's your job, not creating 10 different concepts you're trying to do well so no, yeah. delivery yeah, so, um, is a different business concept and I've, I've tried the delivery well it's, it's logistics suddenly and that's why amazon is you have to be an amazon really to do it well or dpd you know we, yeah I, mean, I, I love it yeah, oh, yeah different opportunities let's jump in let's have this exciting let's have a look at what we can do. and yeah that is that's part of my personality i guess and that comes back to what i said earlier on about a strong team and, and working as a team collectively that is that, and this is something we've learned as a team as well, where you might have a couple of charismatic individuals who do get drawn, is actually that's balanced out by the conventional, slightly more conservative, go, well, let's have a look at this a bit more closely. Does it stick to our uh, our purpose? You know, is it what we're good at? And, and delivery is a prime example. Like a business like ours is based on emotive engagement. Yeah, And you're turning around and going, well, how do you, and, and, and yes, I think that is an opportunity and it's a challenge to see how you transfer that into a digital platform and delivery. But on the first, on the surface of it, you go, people love coming into our spaces they love dwelling they love talking to us and there we are trying mm. to and, and not only that they do it off their own costs yeah they come to our space they then do their own shopping they then stay and and yet, yet we're trying to jump into a space where we're doing all that work when it's not 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 it's never been a, a, a core part of what we do and in turn we can't add that added value in quite the same way as we do them and so it is it's those moments of finding that it, it seems quite simple and obvious but but no these have been important learning uh, elements and and for me i suppose it's given real strength to the idea of yeah i'm excited by what's you know ai does by by you know it's, it's the type of productions we know protein productions we now have the opportunities around, but actually it comes back to the value of human connection uh the value of, of, of the physical the value of uh, of produce and and uh, th and and that without doubt i think has, has been not that also has been underlined just how important that is and, and but to do it well there's an expectation from the consumer it's got to be done well because there are other options out there that mimic the physical that mimic uh the the, the, the produce and so as a result if you're actually doing it do it well and show you that's what counts how do you as the the, the, the lead the head the ceo actually show up in as the best version of yourself every day and deliver your role and also because it seems like it's been it's been a long journey you've been part of the business all your life and i guess there's some reinventing that needs to happen on that journey yeah absolutely i mean if i'm honest i don't i don't think i always do yeah i'm not always the best i can be i uh i think again it's, it's what's worked for me more recently and it's not it's, it's having that the clarity of of uh of purpose of objective and so part for me, the challenge now is making sure that that 
is then embedded and it is it's clearly communicated through the business and that's something i need to do more of i suppose that challenge in its own right is what drives me forward uh, and then seeing that we touched on this earlier on that actually map made is it was a family business yeah, it is a family business but it's grown so much more than that is now a platform for others and as a and, and it really is delivering in its own right as, a, as an organism in its own right, not because it's Stefano's business or Stefano's family business, but because it's magnate. A lot of people have value and have, have, have bought into that and understand how it will deliver for them. So I suppose that excites me and that has changed from, as I said, when it was my parents were, were leading the business, it's very much their business and they were leading it. Whereas over time it has now become magnate and magnate community's business. And so as that business has moved and shaped, it sort of reinvigorated me anyway. But I think it's just, it's just having that clarity on you know, human and environmental harmony. And I love that idea, that infinite goal of, you know, you're never going to achieve it. You keep pushing towards it. Uh, yeah, I love food and drink. I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to be in a sector that, that, that means a huge amount to me. I guess if, yeah, if my family, if I, my business was nuts and bolts or tires, I don't know, yeah, it'd be, different, it'd be difficult, right? Whereas yeah. you know, food and drink, and the beauty of food and drink is that it's not just an incredible product. It, it really is what makes us human. Yeah, I mean, of, of yeah. very few other things, uh, yeah, reproduction perhaps is the only other element that we've taken and turned into something that defines who we are as individuals, as small collectives, as larger collectives. Yeah. And so I think that, that for me, there is always an aspect there. But I think you know, I've learned more and more that you have got to think about leadership and think about how you are presenting yourself as effective as you can. There's a, you, you, there's a process to that. It isn't just a case of turning up. You've got to think about it and make sure and spend some time making sure that you are, you are in the right frame of mind that, that two months time, where are you going to be in six months time? What are you looking to achieve? How's that going to impact on others? And actually, you know, some of the questions you asked and made me think about something else was that idea that what at times may look like a, either a sudden decision or a change of direction is something that would have been considered and considered and considered and, and mulled over. And, and that's something I tend to do. I try and scenario run continually in my own head. And so whilst at times something may seem reactive and, oh, yeah, whether people are impressed by it or not, but it's something actually you're continually looking at different scenarios. You're thinking, well, what if I do that? And so it is running those different scenarios in your head, what different outcomes would be. But ultimately, it's just you know, creating a space that we all love. Yeah? And it's not just me doing it. I'm, I'm, you know, I recognise my role. I'm the flag bearer. I'm up at the top of the hill waving the flag, which I mean, it's, 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 it's simply to draw attention to what everyone else does in, in Matinade as a whole. And, and that, that really is a key to it. It's just doing it together, yeah, do it collectively and, and having a clarity of vision that you want to achieve and communicating it through that, that we all agree with. What is your top advice to other businesses uh, or business leaders that want to create a business as a force for good? Yeah, you've got to believe it in yourself, right? You've got to understand what it is that that, that you, yeah, to not wanting to dive off too too far. But I, I my God, my oldest daughter's thirteen, she's so just going to GCSEs, and I remember when we were doing GCSEs, Googly number of years ago. You know, you were told. Yeah, do, you to, if you knew what, know what we want to do as a job, and then you're going to find the courses you've got to do, and you're going to do the difficult, you've got to hammer them away and learn them. There's no sense of enjoyment. Whereas now, there's much more this mantra saying, "Listen, you choose the courses you enjoy, yeah? because if you enjoy something, you're going to be turning up at our lessons every day uh, willingly. You're not going to be pushed in by your parents and dragged in by your teeth. It's the same thing with work, isn't it? If if you believe in it, if you enjoy it, you're going to put everything into it. So you've got to find that it'll be absolutely clear that that, that you're yeah 100 bought into your business and your and your vision. And I think it is, you've got to spend a bit of time breaking it down. So they don't just, you know, this idea of purpose and vision doesn't just pop up. It's not just what it is. It's, it's the ability to communicate it to yourself and to others. 
And I spent quite a lot of time on that. I'm, we're not still fully there. So I think it is that, is identifying it as an individual. What is it you're looking to achieve in your business and, and yet more broadly in our life as a whole? And then spending time to be able to understand how you communicate it to others so that they understand what you want to do and they want to come along with you. And uh, yeah, and that's and, and it's got to be something you love. Yeah? You've got you, you to want to do it all the time. Yeah, it's quite interesting you said. It's not something you just figure out and then that's what you pursue sometimes it feel like these some people have got a calling they actually worked through a process and had a lot of you know mistakes done and the the first version of the vision was not really good for you or and your circumstances so you get you retweak it and you maybe grow away from where you are you need to you know i think singerman is a great example of starting with one daily and now 18 businesses is it because also the founders or the, the business owner needed new challenges. So, so that's, that's in a way, and they redefined what the business was and what you are yourself as a leader. And I think that's really, really important as well, that you actually accept that there will be lots of mistakes made on that way. And you're not going to get clarity because you do one vision. You need probably to mold over a thousand times to really get it right and get all the elements and really feel that that's your soul. Now I'm in it. This is my 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 journey, in a way. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That. I mean, this is one of, and this yeah, for me for so long you always see that successful businesses had it nailed on from day one, right? And this just isn't the case. Yeah, and and I'll give you if, if I'm if I'm sort of talk frankly about it. I said last year I had a, had a, had a close close business down. You know, before that, yeah, people look at what we did because we're very front facing. Oh, everything you touched us, cool, it's fantastic. Look at all the things you're doing. And then you know, actually, something doesn't work. And, Good reasons it didn't work and you look at it and it's and all of a sudden you've got that juxtaposition where where people are going well you know so the year previously look what you're doing look how you're charging and then then you're not and it's kind of yeah the reality is that the business goes up and down and works forward but if you have that vision of where you want to get to and what you want to do and that's continually there for you even as it is you sort of you take a bit of a downturn in some areas you, you can you can look at that downturn in the context of a step towards where you want to, a positive step should i say towards where you want to eventually get to you know so i think it is it doesn't just happen overnight it takes thinking it takes talking it takes working with your team working with your family working with your friends all these elements come together to 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 to, 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 to get that sense of what you want to do and where you want to be and but for, but for me you've got to be it all the time you know it's not about what you have touched on this kind of idea that's thrown around time sort of life use sort of balance it's it's uh you know work life balance and the rest of it it's just it comes back to that harmony in your own life you know you feel yeah. that you're 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 getting what you require not that you're compartmentalizing it in in its sort of neat boxes that, 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 that they're linked towards you know it's got just you've got to be content and have a balance in that i think the, the other sort of disaster thing i've said on as well is that the idea around value as well you know if if you're attaching it all to cash they're gonna be wrong that's great but the reality of it is is that if you're looking at purpose i mean the when you achieve, for me, is this again because we're front-facing food and drink? Yeah, we, one of our butchers has just moved on to become the manager of a, a butchery elsewhere. You know, and I'm sad to lose him. But we talked about it. Goes, you know what? What I've learned over these four years working with you and your our approach to supply chain, meat supply chain, full carcass, pasture fed, uh, um, you know, uh, positive impacts on biomass, all these soil health, these things that he he was just a butcher. Now he's going to go on, set up his own counter elsewhere, and he's taking all that with him. Yeah, yeah, for me, that is the value in that is incredible, right? Because that is absolutely the purpose we drive him. Because we know that he will change other customers that we aren't directly coming through MacNed. He will change their thinking and their approach to protein, meat, etc. 
And 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 actually, you know what? The cash value will be this. I know he'll come back into us should he want to at a later stage in his career. I'm sure he'll be you know, he'll be talking about customers about Matnade, and they'll come back in, and so there'll be that aspect of. So you will see the commercial element attached to it, but that purpose. If it, if the commercial is at the front end, you how much do I want to earn? How much do I want to get? You're not going to be a purpose-driven business. It has to be commercially viable. Don't get me wrong, but but the satisfaction you get from achieving those those moments of achievement within your purpose. Yeah, those are the things that's got to drive you. And if that, that's what feels special. And that's, yeah, I suppose it comes back to family. I wish we won that now, but it comes back to the idea of family. Those moments that you get as fact, I talk about fireside feeling. It's that, you know, at home we used to have an open fire. I wasn't a big one, open fire. But you know, the winter is the winter comes in and, and all your family are in that front room and you're sat around the fire and someone's reading, I don't know, someone's playing a game. And you just feel the pit in your stomach, that contentment. That for me is a value, right? and that is a purpose. And when you get that contentment in the pit of your stomach, it doesn't come from having a big paycheck. You might think it does, but it comes from seeing that contentment around you. That for me is the absolute goal, is that idea. It just reminds me of those being in the front room with my family, just looking around and seeing everyone, and just in their own worlds, contemplating together, the warmth of the fire coming out. Like, yeah, far side feeling. Yeah, it's just, we're in a body, do you know what I mean? That, that for me is what we aim for, what we aim for. And you can do that on a small scale, you can do it on a large scale, um, but it's got to be the absolute, the absolute aim. I love that. That's a great metaphor of, you know, building a great place, you know, for, for people, community and the planet, because of that contentment is what we all in deeply down hunger for as human as well and so feeling safe and so on. Uh, last two questions, uh, Stefano, because we can continue for, for hours and we knew that before we started. So, but we have to have an end as any, any good thing has to start and an end. But what is the the one question you wish I've asked you that I didn't ask you, and what would it be? And what is the answer? Yeah, again, we touched on it again, but it was, I suppose, you know, how how are we going to fund this change? You know, how 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 do we fund this? Just change this shift in in, in retail hospitality and business operations. I suppose that, and I, again, that'll be a question to ask me because I don't I don't have the answer, right? And so hopefully it stimulates it stimulates the conversation further for another day. Um, yeah. And, and how we and because I think it's exciting. I look at look at our sector, see what the opportunities are there, but then just look at the pragmatic reality of actually we can talk about it, we can get excited about it, but how do we actually move this on practically? I guess we all have to be part of contributing to that answering the, the funding and also how we use that funding and what kind of models we build so that funding is used in the right way so we create that fire the open fire in the yeah, end exactly you know i think again you're absolutely right it's just that idea even i was you know junior idea of having you see the price of tickets on the side of products that almost you have these you, you can't get all the value that's in there as well so when we talk about funding not only that capital funding coming in but the community itself understands value understands what 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 they're actually paying for when they when they purchase products etc that there's an awful lot more than simply that transaction of product at the till so no i think that's a it's a it's a, it's a, it's a big part of looking at the future where can people find out more about you magnade where's the best place to connect yeah, well, obviously, we're, yeah, website's www.macnade.com. We try and keep everything simple, just macnade.com. Uh, and so email stefano at macnade.com. Uh, and they were on Instagram, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn. I uh, enjoy LinkedIn more and more from a business point of view. And, and use that great to link in, yeah, to connect with people and ideas and follow through. But again, across social media, again, we're front-facing business. So you'll find, if you chuck Macnade in, it's M-A-C-K-N-A-D-E. You'll find all sorts of stuff that we do. 
but but no, I just for us we're we we see ourselves I see ourselves as that as that forum as well that we just want people to engage. We're just a point that people come and engage with us wherever they are on the supply chain, whatever their thoughts are, and and, and always always love sharing ideas and and, and, and chuntering away. And the joy is we have a coffee machine, right? So it's always good to share a coffee and uh, talk about these aspects too. Yeah. Well, the best thing I could advise is to go there and visit you. That's the uh, then you then you understand it much better. What it's all about. Thank you so much for, for coming on the show, Stefano. Power and energy to you and the team as you are Cheers, continuing man. the journey a little bit every day to get in the right direction of your purpose and making the world a little bit better. Oh, thank you, man. I'm not, yeah, not just, just saying for the sake of it, but I really appreciate what you do. You know, I was saying give a voice to the sort of SMEs like us as well and, and, and bringing in all these, other, all these other networks. Like you said, the Zingermans of the US, I feel as though we're part of the same, the same space through the work you're doing. We talked about this before. And it's an absolute joy to be involved in it so thank you thank you Stefano I really appreciate that you're listening in so if you enjoyed today's conversation please share with others rate it or give it a review or subscribe to one of our channels because all can be done via the website hospitalitymavericks.com I believe that reading books is key to become a great leader so I've helped you with a curated list of some of the books that have impacted the guests here on the show and myself over the years. Find it on Hospitality Mavericks website, hospitalitymavericks.com, under the reading list. A big thank you to BizTemply for supporting us, bringing great insights, strategies, and tools to help leaders to become better every day. Check them out at bizsimply.com or on their social at bizsimply or bizsimplyhq. You can also email them directly at podcast at If you have any ideas and feedback for the show or other thoughts, reach out to me via LinkedIn or my email, michael at hospitalitymaverick.com. I'm Michael Tinkser, and you've been listening to the Hospitality Maverick Podcast Show. Be Maverick!